Why, hello, and welcome to Season 25, Episode 12 of Happy Jack's RPG Podcast. My name is Stu. My name is Kimmy. I'm Stork. I'm Gina. And in this episode of Happy Jack's RPG Podcast, Tarlin asks, what makes a good session zero? Ed from Florida, nay Minnesota, asks, why we game? And Ben from Texas tries to resurrect the Crunch versus Flush... <sighs> flush... Yeah, yeah, the crunch versus flush debate. <laughs> yeah, fluff. Yeah. But first, if you'd like to email us, you can email us at happyjacksrpg at gmail.com. That's happyjacksrpg at gmail.com. And we're on social medias. Yes. First, we have a forum, happyjacksforum.com. That's happyjacksforum.com. And for our social media org, you go to happyjacksrpg on Twitter and Facebook and <laughs> Instagram and MeWe and. Uh, mm. Is that it? The Mastodon. Part of it no. in. No, we're not part of part of Mastodon. We get we get kicked out of that. <laughs> if you'd like to watch the show live, you can watch the show at happyjacks.org slash live. That's happyjacks.org slash live. And we do this show at seven oh nine PM Pacific time um, mm-hmm. on Friday nights. And you can watch us and see our faces and and join the chat room. Mm-hmm. And say hello to the chat room. Hi chat room. Hello. I'm n- I don't have you up yet, but I will I will bring you up here in a second. Uh, and I think that's it. I don't think there's any other the announcements. I don't think so. No, I think so. No the cons coming up. Oh well, uh, February con. Oh yeah, mm-hmm. President's Day weekend at the LAX Hilton Hotel. Uh, I should book a room. <laughs> <laughs> I finally paid off the last one. <laughs> They're expensive. That's one of the reasons I haven't been in a while. It's like I think the last time I did the con, I was almost a thousand dollars with the room and the food, and I think I got stuck with a bill at one point. Oh, yeah. I usually have to pay in advance to get a cheap, yeah, a cheaper. Oh, that and I, yeah, and yeah. I, I waited too long and I had actually had to pay full price mm-hmm. for the room too, which mm. was like another seventy-five bucks. Found anyway, it was like, yeah, it was really expensive. It, it gets up there. <laughs> it, get, it gets way when up all there. when all was said and done. But it's so much fun. Yeah, it is. It is, except for the, the fact that the bar opens too late, and really, I thought that was the I was the only one that bothered. No, it bothered me too. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Uh, what makes a good session zero from Tarlin? Greetings, happy flapjackers. Flapjackers. Mm. That's a new one. Mm. They're always you know? So my regular Saturday night crew has got a new GM warming up a steampunk slash supers game for us. Ooh. And we've all agreed that we need a session zero. I'm just not sure that we all agree on what that is. I mean, we forced ourselves to hold off on character cre- generation because the feeling is that we need to know more about the game that he wants to run and the world we want to play in and the action we're expecting before we can even start to make characters. Hmm. Because we've had less than good experiences in the past where we've tried tried it the other way. We're emailing questions like, what sort of team are we? Avengers, powerful and public. X-Men, powerful but secret. Uh, Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D., less powerful, secret government. We're looking for rules slash hints slash questions to flesh out our home city. We're discussing how and how strongly our PCs should be connected. Obviously, we're taking a kitchen sink approach to this, but I was curious what you awesome douchebags would think would be important for a good session zero. So take a drink and have at it. Zah. 
Yeah. I would first like to say, because I just wrote an article that the Patreon people will see sometime in November, about prep. And this kind of dovetails that a little bit, because I think that there's like maybe three different ways to approach a session zero. There's a session zero where the GM has prepped the world and has at least some sort of meta plot in mind. Mm-hmm. So that session zero is really for the GM to sort of inform the players, here's the world that we're going to be playing the game in, make characters that will fit in this game with you know the, these initial plot hooks or whatever. Then there's the the like what what Tappy would say, which is, I don't even start prepping the game until I see the characters. So everyone make characters, then he will go away for two weeks and and work on the world and and fit it together. And then the third is when it's very very collaborative and everything is kind of done at the table. Those are kind of the three ways that I see session zeros going, for the mm-hmm. most part. Um, but that's just sort of like the general prep. Thing. I think there's a lot more other stuff that doesn't have to do with prep that should probably happen at work as well, like ground rules about mm-hmm. things like what sort of uh, um, material is acceptable, what sort of material do you want to avoid, those kinds of things. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Uh, I think specifically with this type of genre, with cyberpunk and supers games, you really do need to like all get together and agree on what you want to do because it, it really sucks. For example, with Super Games, because I've had this happen, where people make cosmic power characters and somebody makes Daredevil, right? right? And it's really hard yeah. to make to find something for Daredevil to do while Thor is busy smashing the giant robot. Mm-hmm. Um, likewise, with a cyberpunk game, you all don't want to make you know street level characters and everything's going to be really fancy and corporate, or or maybe you do, but you need to, le- to know that you're getting into it. It is. It's kind of important to hash all that stuff out ahead of time, and and, and in some ways, it's it's important to sit down with the GM and work that stuff out together. Mm-hmm. I think asking him questions and having them send it back—it just seems like it's going to take a long time. I think you could probably sit down over beers and work this stuff out, and then everybody can go away and then make characters or come back with a character, uh, make characters the next time with a concept. But like, this isn't a problem in a D and D game because everybody's sort of kind of on the same level when they first start. Whether you make a cleric or whether you make a fighter. You're still going to be effective with your character class, not so much with a supers game. But you also want to make sure that you, you don't end up with a game with five clerics. Yeah, mm-hmm. maybe. And, they, <laughs> you know, and there might be things where somebody wants you to do adventure league types of characters, and you don't use, you know, any of the stuff that comes uh, from many of the fl- the other adventure books, or that comes, you know. Yeah, a game of five clerics might be really fun. <laughs> it could be. I also think the whole Knights Templar thing going on. It, oh, yeah. it depends on what kind of session zero you want. Also, in addition to the kind of three sort of the types you laid out, you could say that we're going to have a session zero where we do world creation and we do character creation that day, so everybody doesn't have to walk away with a fully fleshed character. Depending mm-hmm. on if you're playing vampire or if you're playing masks, but. Um, I think that a lot of times if you do character creation together as a group, some of those things come up because people yeah. are taking whatever, you know, depending on your system, you're, you're making a character. And if, you, if not being redundant is important to you, then you kind of pick up where, what other people are, are filling in for their characters right. so that you do something different. And then things like, you know, if you were playing cyberpunk and not supers, like tech levels and things like that, or what do we mm-hmm. want to have in our world, and what is this world like, and that sort of thing come up as you're playing that game, and bonds 
with the characters. Especially with Cyberpunk, because they know the world that they exist in. It's not like it's going to be a surprise to them, like, oh my god, you know, it's like they're all city, you know, in that city, in that world. It's they. Well, there's still variants within Cyberpunk. I oh, mean, you've got you've yeah, got like yeah. Shadowrun, yeah, where it's well, yeah. like it's also fantasy, mm-hmm. and then you've got actual like real Cyberpunk. Mm-hmm. Sorry, which is <laughs> it doesn't have elves and dwarves. No. And, well, in this one, they're talking about doing steampunk too. Yeah, right. So exactly, that can yeah. get very. And yeah, that, that's yeah. a sub. That's a that's yeah. a genre where you ask five steampunk enthusiasts, you're going to get twelve yeah. opinions. Yeah, yeah. I kept saying cyberpunk, but it's actually steampunk, which is yeah. Victorian era superheroes. So, I I like the, I like making characters at the table. Um, I do think uh, some. Uh, advanced questions are cool because then people can kind of spitball ideas like oh I have three or four character ideas in my head and I want to hear what other people have for yeah. ideas so kind of having a, a, a basic understanding of, of the game that you you know are we going to play a heist game are we playing um, like what is our mm-hmm. you know Blades and uh, or not Blades in the Dark Scum and Villainy game look like is this like a do we look like Star Wars? Are we Han and Chewie, or are we, yeah. mm-hmm. you know, the Rebellion, or are we? So there are layers of that, but as long as you kind of establish something to walk in the door with, then you kind of are able to flesh out more of that stuff at the table. So I, I liked having some of it in advance, just not too much. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Ha- give, I think giving like prompt questions, yeah. just so people can start thinking about character creation. Yeah, it's a, it's a, that's a fantastic idea. I think. I yeah, I do too. I, so that there's a little bit of thinking before you yeah. sit down. So yeah, you know, like I have no idea what I mean, everyone does that. It's like this is going to be a long, yeah. long session zero. Yeah. So I, I think that yeah, I totally agree. And generally, when I'm running games, um, that's what I do. Is I am like okay, like everyone, pick your playbook or pick your class or whatever it is, mm-hmm. like via email or text or whatever it is, so that when we come to the the table, everybody has at least that baseline down. So then they, you know, and usually, like Gina said, they, they've been kind of coming up with a couple character concepts. So then you can really, at the table, like, jump into character creation. And then the part that I think is even more valuable is, like, the character connections. Yeah. How do they know each other already? Because we've all done, like, oh, you all are strangers, and you meet in a tavern. And every once in a while, it's fun to go back to that. But then it's like, as a GM, it's like infuriating the first like two or three sessions when they're like, oh, we don't trust each other. It's like, yeah, you do. Yeah. You, your characters, I guess, don't, but this is, you know. And yeah. that's, that's sometimes fun to explore. But if you start every campaign that way, it starts getting kind of old. You, so, know, you, can, you can start that campaign with the players don't know each other, and that can be fun. Yes. But you need to make sure you have some sort of unifying plot hook or something to initially draw all of the characters into it. Right. So at least they have, here's one little point in history that just happened this first session Mm -hmm. that we all share. Yeah. And then, because one of the things I just noted that I think would be a a smart ground rule to establish in a Mm -hmm. session zero is, is this a game where the party is going to be cooperative and work like a well-oiled machine? Mm -hmm. Or is there yeah. going to be inner party conflict? Yeah. Is there going to be? It, 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 is part of the story going to be how these people who maybe don't like each other do work together, or maybe don't work together? Yeah, you know what I mean. 
and Absolutely. also how how to what extent that's going to go? Is that going to go to the point where you're just taking quips at each other, or are you actually going to slug it out at some point? Yeah. Or plot each other's murders, if you're, in case of vampires. <laughs> yeah. You know what I mean? Yeah. yeah. So I think that's an important thing to touch on and make sure everyone's at least on the same page, or at least knows what the table's yeah sort of temperature is on that kind yeah. of stuff. Oh, I was just going to say, Stu, you had a, a good idea um, for your conspiracy moment of truth. Where you know maybe these are people who don't even know each other and they're going to end up together, but there is sort of a, a meta idea behind you need to make a character who's going to want to yeah. be involved in this kind of adventure right. and not just go. Well, you know. the fun thing about the supers game, you can take the tried and true Stan Lee method, which is when two superheroes meet for the first time, they fight each other. Um, Usually, what you do with a supers game, it's great. You just start out with, uh, you know, some robbery or an explosion or a giant robot. So all the all the heroes in the area then converge in the area to, to combat the, a common evil thing, and then they basically meet right then and there. Which you could do in D and D, I guess too. I've never thought you about that. Yeah, <laughs> I don't know. For yeah. me, I think like that inner party conflict is my favorite part of games. Yeah, shocking. I'm sure I'll tell all of you. Um, so for me, those get much deeper. Um, if you already have backstory and history, mm-hmm. um, like you can start with people who who just meet and they don't like each other for generally more surface level reasons. Um, but I love the no, we dated five years ago yeah. and then now we you know we haven't seen each other in four years and now we're on you know rival superhero teams or whatever. And so then it's like okay, but now we've both been assigned to this thing by you know mm-hmm. uh, Argus or whatever, and then. Um, I don't know. For me, there's like a whole nother layer of drama there that if you guys do character connections, and you don't have to do a lot of it, uh-huh. um, you could use this amazing game that oh, I've heard of. Called- I, know, I was going to say, <laughs> I'll bring it up if you know. <laughs> called Decima, that you can find at Golden Lasso Games slash Decima um, that, that helps you facilitate Golden that. GoldenLassoGames.com. Okay. Yes. Slash Decima. Gotta be, gotta be clear. Decima. Yeah, sorry. I'm nervous because now I'm like feeling like I'm... <laughs> I, I, I would have brought but, it up if you did. Yeah, Thank I was, I was thinking about it too. <laughs> but there's also, like, there's a lot of things. You can just take the questions from a lot of yeah. PBTA games, and then each person gets, like, one question. Who's someone you, you, you trust on the team? Or you and so-and-so did a, a job together at one point. And even little things like that, even if it's not huge drama moments, yeah. just kind of help facilitate the dynamics at the table. And honestly, no matter what I run in the future, like I've used it with Wild Talents, I've run, used it with a lot of systems that don't have it built in, and I just find it makes the as a GM like everything just slides right into place. It's like putting a boat in the water with like a ramp there, just like yeah. suddenly everything's floating and moving and kind of going the right direction because there's just a little bit of momentum already there. Yeah, that's what I like about about those types of you know like Dakuma or. Um, you know, the PBTA questions and the bonds things and stuff like that is that it absolutely does that. And it doesn't have to be three pages of backstory. It can be, it can even be evocative words. There are games like, uh, like Night Witches where it's like you just, there's a word you feel about character acts. Mm -hmm. So it's like, do you trust them? Do you not trust them? Are you jealous of them? Are you in love with them? Mm -hmm. You know, do, do you look up to them? Like even things like that. And then you and the other person, you know, those are the kinds of things that you can explore at the table, but you don't even, and this would be my one word of caution for session zeros, and I got this advice from very good friends, uh, is don't play before you play kind of thing, too. Mm-hmm. So don't don't feel like you have to flesh out every note of that. Yeah. 
So, like, Kimmy's a great example of we dated before. They did, so we aren't dating anymore. Uh, maybe we have a conversation about how that happened. Maybe we didn't. Nick, maybe it comes up in game. Maybe it doesn't. You know, mm-hmm. some of that stuff. Mm-hmm. Um, but when you're sitting at the table, I think those are absolutely things I, I would, you know, mm-hmm. definitely say that should come up. Is a traveler does a really good job of combining yes. all of that with your character, Jen. Yeah. And I don't see any reason yeah. that you can't do a hybrid version of that as you're creating your characters, especially if you're doing something as complicated as GURPS or something, mm-hmm. where characters take a long time to sort of generate anyway, and you can sort of discuss all this stuff. Um, I wanted to get back to, you have all these great mm-hmm. questions that you're asking your GM, and all of these things, you're not, it's, they're not unreasonable at all. I would think that that's that, like, come up with that list, and it's important. And then it, it reminded me, or sparked the memory, that Stu used to have a list of questions that he would ask all of his mm-hmm. players as a GM. Yeah. I, I don't think it's unreasonable for your GM or ask your GM to come up with a list of questions that he wants answered and that will right. give you an idea of what he, you know, he's got planned and what you know the tone of the game that he's expecting to run, and you guys can work within that. It's not railroading per se. It's just sort of giving you a, a bare-bones skeleton of you know, what we're doing. It's like, like I said, you don't want to make a, a water-dwelling character and everything takes place in the desert. Yeah. Right. <laughs> yeah. <know? clears throat> I think that's important, too, because like, I like creating the setting at the table, but I also generally I come in with um, a skeleton there that then the players can help me yeah. f- like fill in. So it's like um, starting uh, masks on Wednesday, this Wednesday. Um, so we're just doing, we're doing a session zero. We're doing character creation and kind of world creation. But I've already said, hey, this is the high school you go to. This is the superhero training program that you go to on weekends and after school and you actually live in the dorms there. So it's like they get to flush out like, okay, well our homeroom teacher's name is so-and-so. But I've basically already given them the, okay, the high school is mundane. You have to keep your secret identities a secret there. You can't use your powers or at least be seen to be using your powers. Stuff like that. So there's like some parameters and then they get to color in the lines I've already made. I think when Stu did was it the first Eldemy game where you gave us like a paragraph of what the world was kind of like yeah, and some so. of the uh, geopolitical things going on. It wasn't very long. It was like a page maybe and it right. hit some bullet points so that we kind of had an idea of, of what we were getting ourselves yeah. into and right. what we could do. And that's a great thing because we referenced it back a lot later because I've got a goldfish brain and I can't remember, oh wait, were those guys our enemies or were they our right. allies? And then yeah. it's all in that thing. I like also having... As much as I think it should be freeform and there should be a lot of conversation at the table, um, I think it's a good idea for the the storyteller, the GM, to walk in with sort of a structure in place. Like, hey, I want to start with, let's talk about here's the world as what I've kind of got fleshed out, da 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 Or do we just want to go through character creation and everything's going to come up that way? Because otherwise, you can. I mean, I have sat in session zeros that are literally nine hours long and... We have a lot of fun, and we drink a lot of beer and whatever. <laughs> but you know, we you know we maybe didn't we'll get everything play. done. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's I mean that, that's one of the reasons that I, that I think a lot of people will skip a session zero is because they, they they don't have a lot of time, yeah. and maybe they yeah. they only get to play once a month or something. Yeah, and they'd rather spend the time playing. Yeah, so, I yeah. mean, and and if you got a group that's all on the same page and been playing together for a yeah. long time, you probably don't need to no. do that. Yeah. That's we can true. do. They're all going to make the same kind of characters anyway. <laughs> Not necessarily. Like, I'm going to make a ranger. Yeah. Right. Yeah. <laughs> um, I think. I mean, you can do a session zero in 30 minutes if you yeah. plan ahead. Like, especially like like Stroke was saying. Like, there's a lot of systems that are point by systems. If you give everybody the same point by, yeah. They're and you talk a little bit about it online. You can get everybody like, and they can build their characters at home 
be about the same power level, make sure everybody, you know, nobody built a water character for a desert campaign. Or an accountant for, for a, yeah. a murder so campaign. So you yeah. can plan that. You can have all that stuff that generally is like the most time-consuming stuff done. Do a couple connection questions, like, and yeah. then explain the world a little bit, and then get, just get started and yeah. jump in. Although the one thing I think that is the most important thing for Session Zero um, is actually to agree on what safety tools right. you're going to use, if any. Um, yeah. And that, I think, is the number one most important thing, um, at which you can also do ahead of time if you guys are a group that have worked together a lot and know what, how the safety tools work. Um, one thing I've really liked, and Stu actually did this, and I've seen a lot of people online starting to do this too, um, uh, doing lines and veils ahead of time with an anonymous Google Doc. Right. Because um, there's been a lot of discussion on like TG, uh, like RPG Twitter lately about how sometimes it's hard in session zero to be like, no, this is a line for me, this is a veil, because you know, just yeah. like saying it sometimes is hard. So if it's a doc, you just have a, like a column for lines and a column for veils, and people just type it in anonymously. You just share the the, the link Great rather idea. than sharing it to individual people. So then it's just. Yeah, there's, there's no yeah. history to. Uh, yeah. I, I want to know who. Yeah, yeah, yeah you have exactly. To worry about that kind of yeah, but. and those those uh, most of those safety tools are written to not just be the okay we talked about it and now we're done anyway. Mm-hmm. So regardless of what you use, and you kind of referenced this earlier, I think Stu, when you were talking, you didn't talk about lines or veils or whatever, but you talked about like what you want to see in the game and what you don't want to see exactly. in the game. Right. But but that those are also living situations that that go on into gameplay and they should go on into gameplay but like to Kimmy's point they your utilization of those in a session year, zero and especially discussing like are we going to do the fast forward pause rewind or are we going to do lines and veils are we going to do an X card like you should have that discussion yeah. in advance so that people know what they can expect if they do get mm-hmm. to a point where they want to have a line or a veil for something or X card something yeah. Or, yeah that's a really good point and also discuss the the behavior around those, no, mm-hmm. no asking questions, all of that, you know, because there is a, there should be a, uh, a comfortable way for you to say that this is a line or a veil or or hit an X card without mm-hmm. feeling uncomfortable. Because to hit the X card, sometimes you, it takes it, you have to get to a certain point and be comfortable enough to still make that action mm-hmm. in front of everybody, even with friends. Even I've with yeah. friends, I've got a, I've got a plan to install. F- Foot pedals, <laughs> with little buttons. Yeah. Oh, so just all just the buttons go a on, light but goes no on. one knows who. Yeah. Right. Oh, well, I think one of uh, one of the I don't know. I, I'll say best things we did lately is we're using the X card for it's it's an in game sort of X card thing, but it, it's kind of I don't want to say normalizing using it, but it's it's al- allowing us to use it for additional sort of X card moments. Yeah. Which I think are also important to the game. Like and uh, like enforcing tone and things like yeah, that. Yeah, enforcing tone and things like that. So that if you do get people that are more comfortable, I know we're kind of me- going into a different talking about a different area, but I think that's a really cool use of, mm-hmm. of that is just to be Absolutely. able to yeah. Yeah. Stu's, and we're using that um, in Stu's Call of Cthulhu game yeah. right now. Because every once in a while you get in these yep. uncomfortable situations and your first response in uncomfortable situations is to like crack a joke off yeah. right. or laugh. Yeah. So we're in these tense moments. <laughs> yeah. We're in these <coughs> tense moments with these monsters and we kind of crack a joke and we're like, oh wait, no, we're ruining the tone even though that's like how we're kind of breaking the ice for ourselves. Yeah. So, and it's, it's whistling past the graveyard. Yes. That's what, yeah, that's the term. Yeah. All right. <laughs> uh, there was one other game oh. I wanted to mention. I haven't okay. played it yet. Maybe you have. Mm-hmm. Um, but it has to do with, it, it, it does an excellent job, it seems like, of combining, um, 
the character creation along with world building at the same time, and that's the Dresden Files. Mm-hmm. Mm, yeah. Um, where you pretty much have to create your city and everything as you're creating your characters and everything else. And it's kind of important because that's as much a character, the city is as much a character as your characters are. <coughs> so there's ways to do it in Session Zero where you combine it all together. And I think that you guys are all on the right track. So, you know, just sit down with your GM and, let's, and we'll hash it out. And bring beer. Yeah. Carry on. Yeah. Sorry. All right. No, I think that's a gr- mm, that's a great ed- suggestion. <laughs> Thank you, Tarlin. Uh, why do we game from Ed and in, in Fluff? Mm-hmm. Wait, Tarlin needs to write back and tell us how, like, what yeah. they decided yeah. on. Yeah. How did the session go? What did you end up doing? All right. Sorry. No. Go ahead. Yeah. <laughs> why do we game from Ed in Florida, Nate, Minnesota? Who would like to read this? Oh, I can do it. Okay. Do these bags. <laughs> I hope this email finds you all well and out of hospital looking at you, Stu. Mm-hmm. Yeah, no. <laughs> I've been thinking, and that's always a dangerous thing. LeFou, I'm afraid <laughs> I've been thinking. A dangerous pastime? I know. <coughs> a kooky old man who spells father. Sanity's only so-so. Okay. Wheels in my head have been turning. I can't... Uh. You're done. Yeah. Be done. Be done. Did you lose your place? One of the times. Right now I'm involving a plan. Okay. I can see the email from Google. <laughs> Content violation. <laughs> no, we yeah. don't sing it that well. <laughs> we have to sing it well enough for it to recognize it. <laughs> One of the topics I'm curious to hear you discuss is why you think people game. Or mm. perhaps a better question is why you game. For me, the chance to create a world with a million interacting pieces is a chance is a chance to uh, use a creative side of my brain that otherwise gets sadly little use. And when I look at many of the people around my table, I see a wide range <laughs> of different reasons for them to do the same activity. Everything from escapism to exploring new things to feeling empowered to come across. For some, it is just a chance to explore something new, unseen, or imagined by anyone else before them. For others, it's a chance to see a piece of paper uh, have a Vorpal Sword plus five written down. (laughs) I think there are stories going on inside their head that actually drive that. But, with that concept of trying to understand why we game, I want to ask you uh, why each of you think you game, mm. and when uh, when you were first introduced to gaming. Also, did you get out of gaming for a period of time, and what brought you back? Uh, to give you my story, my gaming experience started young because my next older s- uh, brother is ten years older, and uh, than I, and is a hardcore gamer. I played chainmail at five. Holy metric! I know that was <laughs> that was a yeah, wow, and uh, GURPS at eight, yeah. I created man-to-man characters for my own copy at nine. Wow. Man-to-man was sort of like the pre-GURPS. Oh. Oh. Wow. This guy's old then. Metagame. What was the name name of that company? Metagame. Oh, I can't remember it. But it was... was, Steve Jackson worked for a gaming company before he started Steve Jackson Games. Okay. It was a fantasy trip. uh, Man... I think... Man, did I do the right thing? Man to Man. No, Man to Man was... I think... think, Someone correct me if I'm wrong, but I think Man to Man was like a... Like almost like a board game, like single combat. She's looking it up now. I'll, I car- know. I'll carry on. Man to man characters using my own copy at nine. I used gaming to escape from the world because it was so much better in my head. I imagined worlds of battle mechs and undead hordes, and while well, firmly in a hack and slash trademark, until my mid teens, <laughs> I knew there was more to it than that, even if I didn't role play at the table. I didn't get married until my mid twenties. And gamed hardcore multiple times per week until <coughs> now. Nice. I game maybe once a week with three of my four kids, 11, Aww. 13, and 17, and it still tells stories in my head and it keeps me, it helps me keep my sanity. So, what are your stories? Second question telling stories is a way to try to connect with the people around you 
Whom would you love to game with, and what have you never d had a chance to, and why? And then a letter note. Why problem make when why no problem, problem have you no want you no to problem make? Have you you don't want to make. <laughs> why problem make when you know okay, problem you're know it's over. You I pre-read this. Yeah, okay. <laughs> Cheers. Ed from Minnesota, now in Florida. P.S. Storch Harris. There's your man. Storch Harris, great. great. <laughs> There's man to man. Yeah. Oh, what no, it is Steve Jackson. It's a source book. Yeah. 85. For first ad. Does that look familiar? Nice. Looks familiar yeah. to me. It's yeah. very generic. Oh, it is Steve fantasy. Jackson. It is Steve Jackson. It is yeah. Steve yeah. Jackson. It's that may have been the combat standalone combat system before they, he came out with Gersh. Boy, that looks familiar to me. That looks yeah, the whole gladiator thing on the top. Yeah, wow. seems very familiar. So why did you start gaming? Wow, that's like a deep mm -hmm. philosophical question. Right, sure is. One, two, three, not it. Why do you start gaming? Or good, he's asking why do you game, which is a different question. Right. Why did I start and gaming? Because start gaming a friend from yeah. junior high school named Craig invited me and a couple buddies over to his house, and we played. The D and D oh, red box set. And yeah, I want to ask each of you, uh, each why each of you game, yeah. and when you were first introduced to gaming. Okay, it's a two-part question. A, a two okay. question yeah. Actually, also, why did you get yeah. out of gaming for a period of time, and what brought you back? So it's a four-part yeah. question. Okay, all right. Should I start? Sure. Sure. Okay. Yeah. Thank you. Uh, junior high school, buddy Craig bought Dean the D and D red box. I don't know. If it was basics. I don't remember. It, it, his came with dice, and then right after that, we bought sets, and they didn't come with dice. They came with little chits because there was a dice shortage. Because mm. there's only one company making them. That's bananas. And uh, and we played through the the sample dungeon, and I was hooked. Mm -hmm. And it was that. And it was a now why I game. I like there's two there's two parts about GMing I like most. One is the world creation part, and that's not just. <coughs> making the world, but coming up with the organizations that are in conflict and creating something that's got a lot of sources of conflict in it. That's mm -hmm. that's a fun thing. That in fact, I just wrote another article about that. Um, Join Patreon. It, it'll be on Patreon. I think next month, mm -hmm. um, or maybe in December. I don't know. I'm good, trying to get ahead. Um, but that that to me it is a lot of fun. But that's that's to, to me that's more of like a solo experience. That's mm -hmm. I'm, I'm going to sit down. I'm going to open up one note and I'm going to start writing. Mm -hmm. and I'm going to come up with stuff and I'm going to just throw out ideas. Some of it might get used, some of it might not get used. Mm -hmm. Once you have the player characters, like, well, those things are never going to happen. And, oh, I better expand on these, that mm -hmm. kind of thing. And the other thing I really like doing is when you get to sort of the mid-game part of a game, when the players have sort of taken over the reins of the game. Because when it start out, usually the players really don't really know what's going on yet. They don't know who the big bad is. They don't know. Do so we never do what the met meta plot is or whatever? But once they sort of have that and they start initiating their own plans, then the GM is just reacting, and that's to me that's easy. And I have all this prep that I've done, and it's like, I, oh, they're doing. I didn't expect them to do that. Do I? Oh, look, I came up with something for that, or I don't have to come up with something on the fly. But once you get to that mid, that sort of mid game point, to me, that's the funnest part of GMing because <clears throat> that's the part where. The prep is gone at that point. I mean, my prep will be a paragraph or two notes to myself on what might happen in the next session. It's yeah. funny because he asked why you game. <coughs> you turned it into why you GM. Yeah, because you game because you like to GM. I do. I'm, yeah. a, I'm, a, I'm a, a control freak. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Control freaks GM a lot. Ah. <laughs> uh, uh, yeah. You just. <laughs> no, I just that was really. I just had a little ding ding. <laughs> All right, interesting. Oh, and the, the hiatus. I did stop gaming for. You did. 
20 years ago? No, not quite 20 years. Um, oh, I, went, I, I stopped probably around 94 mm-hmm. and started back up around maybe, got what, 2008? Is that when we started back up? It was 2010. Well, we yeah. started the show in 2009. No. Yeah. But I think we started before then because I yeah. bought. The, I think oh, I bought those okay. books the year before. Because it came that. out two thousand eight, so that yeah, I think right. I, yeah. It, it, yeah. the big three had new. just come out. Yeah. yeah, so I picked them up and then nice. started reading. Yeah, but um, and I I quit because um, marriages and children. Yeah, and then when my kids got old enough to be able to uh, not kill themselves in the house without mm-hmm. being constantly watched. <laughs> I want a hobby again. So. <laughs> or another hobby. Another hobby. Yeah. You have a lot. Mm-hmm. Uh, why are you looking at me? Yes. It's your turn. I don't want to go next. <laughs> uh, I could I, I could probably tell you why you game. It's because you read The Lord of the Rings. Mm, I, have a, I have a little bit of a... I think I have a better answer than that. But yes, good. I love Lord well, of the Rings. Because it dovetails with mine a bit, too. Okay. Which is, all right. So, uh, Young Stork, uh, grade school. Oh. Uh, a, friend of, a friend of Young Stork's... Still uh, right here. Uh, yeah. He was staying out of the house. He was really into war games. And he, mm-hmm. he was an, much older. He was like five years older than us. Four, years, four or five years older than us. So, he had, I think, <coughs> the Battle of Midway. Or what's that really giant one where they literally had a room. They had kind of a big house. The Longest Day. Uh, one, it might be one of those. It literally had a room with the map all... All strewn wow. out, and so, so my buddy opens the door and goes, like, "You want to check this out? Look at it." Takes he opens like twenty it up. hours There's to play. All of these ships everywhere, <laughs> and, and it's like they had to walk around the perimeter in their socks, and they're like tiptoeing across and moving the thing, and, and it took like a week to play this game, and I was just fascinated. It was great, but he was also into D and D, so my friend like started you know, talking about this D and D thing, and so we got a copy of Chainmail. I think his brother said, "Yo, here, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm into this war game. You guys yeah. can play this." So we started out making characters and play, tried to play a little game of Chainmail. And about that same time, Chainmail was already old. The box set had come out. So, all right, now we're hooked. Well, cha- Chainmail was the miniatures rules. It was, and again, because this guy was a war gamer, that's what he came out with. It was Chainmail. But we, we'd already heard about Chainmail and D and D. He'd had Chainmail. So anyway, we went down to the hobby store and bought the little box set, like you did. And I think I still have one of those dice. One of the, the green dice from the original box set. Yeah, nice. uh, use a crayon to and I think we might have played the adventure. We were just we were like reading reading the rules as we yep. made characters, and it was just he and I, and so we just bastardized the whole thing together. But we kind of figured it out, and it turns out once we started playing, some of our other friends we knew were playing through their big brothers. So we ended up with this in, this group, and one thing led to another. So smash cut in high school. I'm a weird outcast kid, and all my friends are creative types and <coughs> computer types. And the chess player types, and they all just naturally it turns out they all like to, and it's a lot of the theater types too, like to game. And so one thing led to another. We just sort of gamed all through high school. Uh, our reading influences affected this because I started out reading Lord of the Rings and Conan, and so we all wanted to play Lord of the Rings and Conan. Mm-hmm. And then comic books had found, found my way. Yeah. So then we started playing super games, and we played superhero games for oh four or five years, or variations thereof. Star Wars came out, so then we were playing science fiction games or superhero science fiction games and all of those and D&D kind of fell by the wayside we tried all the flavors of games because after it seemed like in those heady early years there was a new fantasy or a new role playing game coming out like every month there was mm-hmm. a you know, rune quest and dragon quest and D&D and um, what was it then there were all these add-ons the the, the grimoires, uh, Arduin grimoires, mm-hmm. and all, and then all of these fan, you know, traveler, and so all of these games that we wanted to try them all. So somebody would buy one, and mm-hmm. they'd run it through, and that campaign would last three or four, five sessions sometimes. So we played all these games. 
come college, we we get together in summer, and but after a while, it all sort of petered out. You know, people went away to school. Uh, I I ended up going away to school and staying down here. So the gaming groups just sort of fizzled and, and broke up. And you know, after college, I played once or twice in college. Was busy doing other things. Right after college, huge huge hiatus until I met Stu, and Stu secretly said, "I'm thinking about running a game again." In fact. My well, mom we've known each other for almost twenty years. Almost yeah. twenty years <laughs> at that point, and my mom had given me a book called. Um, and we didn't know each other this game. <laughs> well, not really. We'd sort of talk about it in sort of a disdainful terms. Oh, yeah, I used to game. I'm over that. I, just, I grew up. I don't. Need that anymore. <laughs> and then my mom had bought this book called um, "The Elvish Gene and Growing Up Strange." Right. And I've read yeah. it. And I'm like, oh, yeah. it was really fun and interesting. I gave it to Stu. Stu was like, "This is a really good book." And the next thing I know, Stu's like. I'm thinking about running a game. Yeah. <laughs> That's right. I forgot all about that. Book. Yeah, there we were talked two. about that one a lot. It, the first two seasons. Yeah. There were two. Yeah. There were two books. El- the Elvis Gene and Growing Up Strange. Is that by the British guy? Uh, yes, it is. Mm-hmm. There's another book that came out that was by a stand-up comedian who was yeah. an American. There's an American version which is just depressing. Yeah. Oh. <clears throat> so yeah. one thing led to another, and, and Stu was my gateway. We, I guess we, we enabled each other and started started gaming with each other. And then again. people came out of the woodwork. And then, and 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 then, like, then oh, we know a lot of people who used to game. Right. Yeah. right, right. Fair. Who knew? And that was probably <laughs> that was probably a twenty five year dead zone in between, right. where I wow, okay. well, I got out of school, <laughs> school and then just had a career and a family, and I just mm-hmm. didn't even really think about it. At that point, I was already doing Renfair, and so I was still. Storytelling, yeah, just not, you know. And there was sort of a the role playing games had kind of died on the vine at that point anyway. So you know, there was D and D three point oh and Pathfinder haven't even come out yet, and that was just nope. like it. Everything else you couldn't Traveler was out of mm-hmm. print. All these games had sort of gone. GURPS was only into its third iteration, I think. So yeah. mm-hmm. for the longest time, n- there well, was there, really nothing. <clears throat> new. That was really kind of the, that, that's probably around the time that White Wolf really took yeah. off. Yeah, yeah. I was gonna say, don't tell that to the nineties kids. Yeah, right. right yeah. <laughs> oh man, do you have an answer, Gina? Yeah, I have. uh, Well, I started playing because I I, I've told this story before, but I was always kind of gaming curious, and I didn't think I knew anybody who played Mm -hmm. um, through high school, etc. And then about oh gosh, I don't know, gosh, I think it's nine years ago now. Mm. um, My best friend Joe uh, was going to get back into gaming, uh, and after like a fifteen year hiatus, and he's the GURPS guy. But we were going to start playing 4E, or he was going to start playing 4E, and I said, I want to come watch. Like, I'm going to come drink beer and watch, like, I'm watching a TV show or something. And he's like, you are not allowed to watch. You, you have, have to play. play. Right. And it was the best thing ever, and I fell in love with it. Um, and I think that's the why I game is, I mean, I, I think <coughs> at our heart, most of us are somewhat social creatures, or when we want to be, sure. <laughs> for some people. Um but I think it's just another way of expressing that that uh, that sort of camaraderie and that 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 fun with people that you like to be with. Um, so instead of going to see a movie or going to a pub or going to a bar or watching a football game, uh, you can sit around a table. And this brings me to my next thing, which is I just love the that storytelling part. Mm-hmm. Um, and I love seeing what happens. And this was my little aha moment when you were talking is that I am like, I'm the one at home or, or in my life or in my job that has to be, keep shit in order and everything's under control and things are super organized and I know where everything is. But I love not knowing what 
the hell is going to happen. <laughs> right. And I, I, it's just, there is something that's good for me, Gina, that about that, like, letting go enough to, like, have three, four, five other people at the table doing the same thing and seeing what the beautiful thing is that you're creating together. Mm -hmm. Because it's, and, and sometimes it's, you know, it's not always, and you're chasing that high always, too. Oh like yeah, those the, those awesome moments like you chase every single time you game, mm -hmm. um, and in particular, I love um, just exploring uh, the narrative through like my character. Like it's not all about my character, and I don't want it to be all about my character. But like how my character, who that person is, and how they are from game to game and moment to moment, and how they fit in this narrative, mm -hmm. and they help the narrative evolve. But they're not the only piece. It's like quilting together or yeah. I don't know. It's like a quilting bee. You know yeah. what? What, what <laughs> of know. stories. I'm a chick. I got very I, I got well, I'm sorry. This is not a gender thing. It isn't. You know what? But I got very feely about this. Yeah. I was like, oh. It's interesting what you're saying because I, if you've ever really been on stage in a play mm -hmm. or in a musical or something, all of all of those terms are exactly the term, yeah. terms that actors yeah. use where you're you're in the middle of telling the story. And you get, and you're chasing that high, yeah. Because you're caught in the moment, you're in the present, you're reacting to the people on the stage, and you're aware that there's an audience there, and you can feel them breathing and gasp. It's occasionally over here, <gasps> you know, and it those and beats, it gives you that that thing yeah. going on because you're yeah. telling dopamine hit at the yeah. at the base level here with gaming and with and with acting, you're telling a story, yeah. Sometimes just amongst yourselves. But really, that's what actors are doing. You're telling the story well, amongst even yourselves. With actors, and when you have a s literal script, yeah. um, the way that that story gets told and the nuances with with uh -huh. the people who are and you're riffing off of are are true to those people at that moment. So it's like and it, what happens is kind of can be freaking magic. And it's exciting, and it and, and even it's the same thing over and over again. There's a high that you get when you're yeah. on stage that uh -huh. th in that yeah. storytelling moment. And I I almost quit, uh, but I haven't. Um, but it's uh, it's probably I don't know too too long. Don't read. I'll tweet. I'll tweet <laughs> or something. But you know, I know Kimmy has seen this too. Like if you guys have uh, follow any sort of social media, you see throughout the year that the community can be rough. Mm -hmm. uh, oh yeah. I will say there's a, a woman that I follow um, called and Kimmy. I think you follow her too. It's at Blue Stocking etc. Yeah, yeah. It, and you can see that there are times in the community where. Uh, Things are. I always thought nerds were on the lower mm -hmm. on the food chain. We think of ourselves as being lower on the food chain. <laughs> uh, there's Lord of the Rings shit all over the planet yeah. sometimes. So people chase the conch. Uh, mm -hmm. So things can get a little, you know. And if you see different people's stories about, uh, you know, earlier this year, there was some some stuff that was pretty. The people you know, that have been excluded, perceive themselves excluded from clicks, make their own really super uber click, and they don't even know it. <laughs> <laughs> yep. About yeah. being excluded. Yeah. yeah. Well, it's like we're the outcasts. We're gonna make a. We're gonna make our own clique. Oh, I see what you're saying about the Judea. nerds being <laughs> right. Yeah. No, it's just it's and and uh, Kate is her name, but she talks about that stuff a lot. Mm -hmm. But but um, I don't know. I just I love gaming too much, and I enjoy being with y'all and being with my mm -hmm. friends, and so and you know. people on the internet can be awful. Yeah, oh, no, yeah. that's that's part <laughs> really? of Really? Yeah. I've did yeah. nothing but pleasant experiences. <laughs> you with don't people. know. You don't. You haven't been on social media in yeah, ten years. Yeah, There's probably a reason for that. There, are, I've seen some people minute. take breaks from social media. <laughs> <laughs> it's a uh, yeah. GD and people's front is a bunch of <clears throat> splinters. Has anyone? Said, I'm sorry, did no. That's okay. No, I was kind of 
Oh, you should go. Yeah. And then okay. I'll talk, I'll, I'll talk about the thing I saw. I'm excited like. for okay. start. Well, there's still like backup questions. We're not even done. We got yeah, we still what? pick. Yeah. Like, there's, we have to all say one person we want, we want a game oh, with that we've yeah. never gamed with. Um, so I totally started gaming, like, and I think it's evolved. Like, looking back now, I 100% started gaming as like a power fantasy. Because I grew up, like, loving Wonder Woman and. But even her, she, when I was growing up, I was lucky enough to have, like, the George Perez run of Wonder Woman. Um, but for the most part, even, really like... Really good. Yeah, so good. But even, for the most part, quote, strong female characters generally weren't super strong. They could be really smart or something like that, but they generally weren't physically able and, or and like, battle mm-hmm. able to do a lot of things. So I think that's kind of where I started is, um, like, I've talked before about how I kind of started actually... With um, we, I did like D and D with like my friends in junior high in like the mid nineties, and then like it was terrible because we were all like you know children, and it was just <laughs> there was a lot of rules. Um, we tried that, but um, I actually really like got into it with like gaming um, online and stuff like that, which I still consider at least the way I did it. Like it was it was role playing, hundred percent. Like learned elven languages, like way hardcore role playing, um, nice. chat rooms, things like that. Um, and, like, in these spaces, I was able to be this badass warrior despite being a woman and all these other things. So I think 100% it started down that path. Um, and, yeah, I, I, it was, like, kind of the, the beginning of my being interested in GMing, too, looking back on it. Because um, we played uh, Ultima Online is one of my first, like, addictions. 100% was an actual addiction, too. But, um, <laughs> like, like, all day, all oh, the time. No. Yeah, it was, it was good. I mean... We did EverQuest, yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. I remember, remember oh. Stu had to quit because he was up all night a couple of nights. He's like, I gotta yeah. quit this. Yeah. I I've, I've, I've heard, heard a report of people saying that, that certain types of video games, and they were talking specifically about Fortnite, mm-hmm. might be as addictive as cocaine. Shocked, I tell you. Shocked. <laughs> yeah, and, I mean... And so is sugar, they say. Cocaine is getting, <laughs> isn't doing very well. No. <laughs> but anyway... <laughs> So these, uh, you know, and in because uh, it was before there were quests and games. There, like there weren't quests in Ultima Online. It was basically you'd go kill stuff and your character would get more powerful, but you didn't get a quest that came up with EverQuest and some games following it came up with that stuff. Still don't solve so, some of those. Yeah. So as players, like we would design our own storylines, and you'd actually like, and we started. A, I, I was part of a an elf guild, I'm sure you're all shocked, Um, (laughs) that, like, the council would come up with these big storylines and we'd actually make alt characters and plant them in towns around um, and have them basically be NPCs that people would get different things from. And once in a while, like, the game would run these once-in-a-lifetime events, but it was hardcore. Like, and so we'd actually plan out these full, what now I see are the same things that you would design for a role-playing game. just made an adventure. Yeah, we 100% (laughs) made an adventure, and it was like a team collaboration thing that then the guild would, like, go through an adventure that we designed for them. That's um, super cool. Which is fascinating. Yeah. Especially looking back. Our EverQuest elven group used to do the same thing for initiation. They would have people go through and do, like, some sort of quest for the guild, but it was all people with alts that you had to run into. Yeah, I'd forgotten about that until you just brought that up. And chat rooms and things like that. Um, And then, like, eventually I got into, like, like tabletop gaming, um, but with that background of, of MMO role playing, um, and I think I think my why I play games has definitely changed now. Um, yeah, and especially if you look sometimes at the character. Like I still like playing badass women characters, but I also play some of my the characters that are closest to me and dearest to me now are ones that aren't that. Um, I think now I'm much more role play to as kind of like you were saying, kind of like the acting 
like it's fun to try on other things mm-hmm. and I find that when I try on characters every time I learn something about myself um, so putting on like Raven for the demigods I'd never played like a trickster kind of like not a fighter character I'm like oh no my character would, would totally balance she wouldn't want to be in this fight and that's like was really different for me and I learned stuff about me and I, I don't know I love that part of it now the collaborative storytelling like Gina said 100% that stuff is awesome you know and I think the theater kid in me loves that yeah. kind of high of like these great mo- moments where everyone's firing and it's so like cool. awesome but also just kind of that leaving the table and being like huh that was interesting I really liked when that happened uh-huh. I guess I am more like this character in some ways than I realized I don't know just gets really deep really no, fast. No, it does. No, I, it does. I, I, I couldn't, couldn't uh, agree more. Yeah. yeah There's no, no simple answer to this. No. Uh-uh. No, but I'm, I'm with you on that. Yeah. I just think it's... It, you learn so much about yourself mm-hmm. exploring different types of characters, even yeah. if you kind of have a go-to. But, but it's that whole thing of... And I think I've mentioned this before, mm-hmm. but that whole thing of people learn a lot when they're out of their comfort zones. Yeah. And so I do think you learn a lot. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so I think well, that's like, very true. So you make an unpleasant character, or you're, or you're forced to, like, like I'm, I can think of, like, a uh, in my Traveler game, Trig, mm-hmm. right? Where I just rolled he was up. an unpleasant motherfucker. Well, he was, but he also, <laughs> I just rolled up. He just couldn't do anything. Like, the right. way, because he was shocked, I'm sure, that I rolled a character that was completely ineffective at anything. Uh-huh. So I'm, I was forced to play this ineffective character, and, and I figured out a way to do it. But, uh, but it brings me to the point where... You commit to a character, and then you commit you, you commit to making the mistakes that that character would make, and yeah. it sometimes yeah. puts you in an uncomfortable situation. Because at the end of the day, I'm, I'm kind of a people pleaser. I just want to make people happy, and so if you make a character that is a, unpleasant, it's hard on you, and it's hard. You know, but you're committing to the character, so and that's an acting thing, right? Yeah, there. Mm-hmm. you're like, well, this is what I should do. This is what would be best for the party, but this is what the character would do. Well, mm-hmm. we're going with that, and it. it it does take you into interesting places and makes for a much more interesting game than just saying, I roll, I hit, I help the party, and off we go. Yeah. I think you're, you're right on, though, when Stork, when you're talking about doing fair. Because I feel like fair definitely kind of hits the snooze... It hits a lot of the same cylinders that tabletop RPG does. Um, and I feel like for a while that kind of like hit the snooze button on like that, that need for Scratch that, that itch, thing. yeah. Yeah. Oh, so okay. Did you quit then between when you were doing... You said, like early days of doing so then you just you didn't play for a long time until <coughs> I never online gaming yeah I never stopped online role playing games got it um, uh, I actually only stopped like six months ago <laughs> honestly for the first time it's like <laughs> I stopped using uh, uh, World of Warcraft um, wow. when actually when they did the layoffs last year I quit like in solidarity with a couple of my friends oh, who got laid off yeah. yeah I guess it was more than six months ago now it's a while ago now but um, but yeah like uh, like the, the the tabletop gaming was on and off until Stu invited me into his game, um, which is sort of a kind of in the dark ask. It was kind of funny. He was like, "Hey, do do you do this thing?" I was like, "Yeah, <laughs> yeah, I do the thing." <laughs> and it was sort of it's funny because it was like one of those things because at the time like it was still something that wasn't like super cool. No. So it was almost mm-hmm. like this like so. Uh, it's like a drug deal, like in my imagination of me who's never actually done a drug deal. Like, so you've got the stuff, like, or trying to buy yeah, a sundial yeah, or whatever, like a, a watch. That's not how it works. No, it's not. <laughs> I'm, trying to, I'm trying to remember. <laughs> just like, we've seen it on TV. Like, this, this like, slow little, like, co- exploratory conversation until getting to the thing. Well, did you, would you want to do that again? And be like, 
Yeah. It was the Ghostbusters <laughs> game, right? That was the first? No, that was the first AP we recorded, but this was way back the, the 4E the game. game. The 4E game. Yeah, the D&D game. D&D game that had ended up with like 50 people in it. So yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Well, that's 14 ha- or 50. Yeah, well, you know, there was like nine. A lot. But that's what happens. Like, so many people had like been off gaming for a while when a couple of us, like, suddenly it's like, Everybody who you talked to suddenly said yes, which I don't think you were expecting. No, I did not. <laughs> but it worked out well. It's like when you invite people to a party and about half to a third of the people that you invite actually show up. Yeah. So you, that's what I was expecting. Yeah, no. And that would have been like five or six people. Yeah. And it, was, it ended up being, at one point, time. like 15. Yeah, it was a lot. You were, you were a, a, an influencer. It was. You were in the zeitgeist. It was. A, you were like ahead of the zeitgeist. There was a big mistake. <laughs> well, you, you were doing what you do with bands, which is, I better make sure I have two on each part, just in case other people don't show up. <laughs> And everybody showed up. Yes, that's exactly right. That's exactly it. Why are there 18 people in this band? Oh, my God. Claire and I were the girls. <laughs> oh, and uh, Linnea was there. Linnea was and there. And let's see who else was there. Was there were all the WoW players, too. Yeah. No, yeah. You invited a whole bunch of us WoW players. Right. Yeah. Oh, man. That was I was going to say, those are the only three I, I remember. Jessica when showed up briefly. Like Jen showed up one. briefly. But nobody said Happy was in it. Yeah. Um... Tyler, Tyler was in it. Because he used to be in, in, in the early days of the podcast, there were occasionally, there were a couple casts that yeah. had... Like seven people. Yeah. yeah. Well, I remember this people this talking actually, about sitting on yoga balls. You sitting on yoga balls. <laughs> this is the perfect chance to ask about okay. uh, the second question, which is, uh, whom would you like to game with that you've never had oh, a chance man. to and why? Mm. That's a, That stumps me. I would like to game with my little sister. Oh. So... The heels? Like, yeah, well, there's only a three-year difference, so she's like my age basically now that we're adults it's like doesn't matter but she and I both have like a theater background I think she'd be amazing at it and I just I I don't know because I mean we're both we're both you know children of a theater teacher and like I just think it would be amazing I think she'd love it she loves like online gaming and I just can't like she lives just too far away like just a little bit too far to like jump in and I but I think it'd be amazing I think we'd have a lot of fun I think I've gamed with both my kids separately, but I don't think I've gamed with them together. Yeah, Maybe yeah. I did. Maybe I did once with Grafham on a, in a AD&D game briefly. It was like a little module they ran through. But I, I've never really had a chance to do that. I was really stumped with this. I'm like, is there somebody famous I'd like to game with? And I'm like, mm. oh, maybe I'd like to do it with Stan Lee, but no, he's weird. Maybe Jack Kirby, no, he'd want to take control. Or how about some famous writer? Like, no, they'd have it all worked out. And I'm like, I don't know. I got a list. I, there is one person I, who yeah. I, who I've, who's been a GM, but I've never gamed with, mm-hmm. like in a game with, and that'd be Dave Kaze. Oh, yeah. I've oh, never sure. gamed with Dave Kaze. I've yeah. only gamed for Dave Kaze. Yeah. It might be fun to see him as a player and mm-hmm. be you know, and work That's stuff a very out. Very good answer. Yeah. Uh, I have I have a ton of people, but I think it'd be hilarious to play like D and D five E with Gary Gygax and break his brain because <laughs> like get all RP ish and. <laughs> That's Whatever. a great answer. But, but Chris Perkins. I love Chris Perkins, who's a, a mm-hmm. Watsy stable, awesome mm-hmm. GM. Um, but yeah, there's there's a, a ton of people. But yeah, I would say those two come top of mind. Nice. I would say my kids, but that's never going to happen. Well, uh, you kind of did. Yeah, yeah, but it doesn't have to Sort be of. Kind of, sort of. But uh, you know what I, what I would really like to do is have a, a, a table full of p- players who are the GMs who were the subjects of GM horror stories. Oh. <laughs> and That's just see are they, how broken are they? 
Mm-hmm. Can they actually recognize Chain <laughs> <laughs> like smoking a nice game rather drinking. than like a control horrible yeah. <laughs> controlled railroady piece of crap? Or would they not? Mm-hmm. And then and if it looks like it's not working, then just give them the worst experience. Of then we do a de- <laughs> you do a debrief and they talk about how crap your game was. Right. Yeah. <laughs> so yes. It's just like I would so love to do that. So well, bad. they're just going to sit around and say how much more awesome their games are than yours right. as you're as you're rolling. Are you really going to do it that way? <laughs> yeah, I would do it. Probably. Don't you want a game with Luke Crane? <laughs> no. I totally want a game with Luke Crane. <laughs> I would like to see how yeah. he manages the stress yeah. of running the, mm-hmm. that burning wheel. <laughs> <laughs> if he does, I bet she doesn't use half the rules. He just pushes you into the cornfield. You don't like mine? Get out! Get out! Get out! That's a good question. That's a good side topic. As like people who are really good at, or even the the people who uh, design games that they when they run their own games, do mm-hmm. they use the whole rules rule set? Right. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Interesting. They wrote it, so you're like, who, who's going to question them? It's like, I don't. It, it's there, excuse you're me. I don't wrong. think this is in Am your. I? Uh, no, I wrote it. I know what I'm doing. Hundred percent gamers who would do that. <laughs> oh, absolutely. Hundred <laughs> percent. All right, Crunch versus Fluff from Ben in Texas. Necromancer. Are we doing it? Oh sure. Uh, we can split it too. Okay, so uh, greetings, Deutsch baguettes. Uh, I found the show after Tappy had already left on his hiatus, but I took great pleasure delving into your rich, loamy backlog. Yum. Ugh. Um, <laughs> that was my ugh. Uh, it was there that I it's uncovered lonely. the juicy morsel of the crunch versus fluff controversy. Like a peanut. A uh, peanut and marshmallow. Or corn. Crunch and fluff. Oh. It's peanut and marshmallow. But you're, you're good it together. won't go away. It's still there. Um, so in the spirit of Spider-Man getting its fourth reboot, oh boy. I decided to pull an ep- epic, I love this phrase, necro post mm-hmm. and share my thoughts such as they are. I'll try to make it short. Uh, crunch refers to number crunching, of course. Yeah. So a crunchy <laughs> game has rules that just tell you to do math. Telling a story is optional. So in D&D, when you try to stab a dude, you roll a d20, add your strength modifier and proficiency bonus, and compare the number to the target's armor class. If you meet or exceed that, then you roll a d8, add your strength modifier, and subtract the result from their HP. If their HP drops to zero or lower, they can't fight anymore. The rules don't really make you do anything more than that. Do you want to take a look? Sure. Uh, in a fluffy game, on the other hand, the rules direct you to tell the story. So if you roll to directly engage a threat in masks, either the GM gets to describe the narrative outcome or you inflict a condition, like frightened or angry on the target, and pick from options that drive the fiction one way or the other. So like something, uh, like take something from them or give an ally an opening. So for me, the difference has less to do with how simulationist the game is or the quantity of the math. It's more, it's more to do with whether the rules facilitate storytelling. So Faye would be considered fluffy because it requires a player to explain how an aspect of their character or the scene influences the outcome when they tap the, a- uh, the aspect. Certainly fluffy compared to the gaming systems that were prominent before Fate came onto the scene. I apologize for the length. Don't, don't do that. Um, <laughs> keep up the great work, Ben from Texas. Never apologize for your length. All right. <laughs> All right you're wrong. Um, <laughs> oh, no. The, the, original, the original argument and, the, and the, the way... And here's the problem with fucking vocabulary in, yeah. in, in any subculture mm-hmm. is there's no fucking glossary. No. And no one will ever agree on one. No. 
crunch and fluff exist in every game. Yes. The crunch is the rules. The fluff is the setting. I'm done. Yeah. <laughs> I'm not even going to go, sure. No, 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 but, no, but, no, but, no. No, let's just let it lie. I'm not disagreeing. Like, that is true. Right. But I do think that specific games tend to one more than the other as far as influence. Like, yes. Versus I've like, never, well, I've, I, I, let me just say until this, yeah. I've never heard the term fluffy game ever. Not once. Crunchy game, yes. GURPS, Hero, math-heavy games people will call crunchy. Mm-hmm. I've never heard anyone call a game fluffy. I hear rules light, but I've never heard fluffy. I feel like we've said fluff that before. Fluff is setting. Fluff is always... That's fluff a splat or yeah. setting or... Right. It, it's, it, yeah. it's, yeah. I'm not disagreeing with that. I'm just saying that there are, there are systems, and I would say like PBTA, like it's a, it's much more towards the fluff of like the, the what, where you've done than the crunch part of it. Like there are there are systems that lean into the fluff, make themselves fluffy, I guess, more than there are systems. And then there's systems that le- tend to lean into the crunch piece too. I'm saying all game. I'm agreeing that all games have both. Yes. But I, I think that, and we've talked about before how some systems lend themselves more to one than the other. Until this, I have never heard fluff used to describe game mechanics. Ever, fluff is not game mechanics are crunch. Yeah, fluff is other stuff. So I, I mean, if we're redefining, which people are no, it's not always I, welcome to do. Yeah, I mean, because because this initial argument happened because Tappy said Fate was a crunchy game. Mm-hmm. That's how the whole Armageddon of, of yeah. Crunchgate happened. Yeah. And yeah, it is. <laughs> Crunchgate. I was going to say and, I'd and, never call Fate fluffy. <laughs> No, well, his his yeah. definition of of crunchy was mine. Difficulty. Mine was math because yeah. it's based on number crunching, mm-hmm. crunchy math. Tappy Tappy's whole thing was if the if the rules of the game insert themselves constantly into the game. If you're constantly dealing with the game mechanics of the game, mm-hmm. he would consider that a crunchy game. Yeah, it doesn't necessarily have to be complicated game mechanics. Right. It just and and that. I don't know if I would use the word crunch to describe that, but certainly there are games where the game mechanics tend to stick their big fucking nose into the story yeah. even when you don't want them to. Yeah. <laughs> you know what I mean? Yeah. And then but then there are also games that seem like that, I think, because the game mechanics are so alien from more traditional role-playing mm-hmm. games. First time I played something that was fate-ish, it's like yeah. I'm constantly <laughs> spending time because it's very different than playing a regular role playing game, and 100%. the same thing. Yeah. And the same thing with PBTA games. You're constantly sitting there when it's starting out looking at characters. I want to do the this what, thing. Which one of my yeah. things? Which one? One of these yeah. can apply. You know what yeah. I mean? Yeah. So so so, I, I don't know. I don't know what I would call that. I, I still maintain I wouldn't call it crunch, but that that deserves its own term because there are games that are there that are where the. Light. Mm-hmm. Like you were saying, that are rules light well, or the, that or, not intrusive, or there either are or aren't intrusive. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. And I, but I think a lot of that has to do with perception and familiarity more than anything else. Because I'll bet you there's someone out there who's been playing. Oh, uh, what, what were we just talking about? Luke Crane, uh, Burning Wheel, Burning Wheel. Yeah, I'm sure there's people out there who've run, been running Burning Wheel for oh, a decade. Yeah, yeah I've, and and they run it like a well-oiled machine, yeah. and players would come into that going, "Oh, this is the best ever!" Right? Yep. Yeah, Mook and Gerbs. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> like you play it with yeah. him, and you don't feel yeah. like it's a crunch. You're like, "Oh, great. yeah." He's like, "Roll the dice." 
oh, this is happening. Like, okay, great. It's right. a simple yeah. system. It's only crunchy when everybody's trying to yeah. figure it out. All right, so now you're grappling. Anybody know what uh, what you have to do to grapple? Oh, I, right. I agree. I think we've talked about that before, too. That was a... a what did Eric I Odd. Know? We'll call it flunch. 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 <laughs> Fiasco maybe is narrative heavy, heavy game where the mechanics are, are always present. Narrative yeah. heavy. Yeah, if splat <laughs> is flunchy, if the splat, <laughs> if setting in splat is fluffy, so fluffy oh, things man. go splat and crunchy things break. Oh, yeah. just trying to work That's up the words. Yeah. Yeah. We just need to. We'll add maybe. like a glossary to the Happy Jacks website. So I, I put one up somewhere. I don't remember where it was. It There's might actually couple. already be there. There's a couple on the oh, about yeah. section. Yeah. 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 But we need to add uh, grail roading to that. That's Gra- was, right. <laughs> we may have to come up with it. And, uh, but then we all have to agree on these terms. It can't change it from there on. Yeah. yeah. Well, Which we're yeah. never going to do. Because <laughs> our opinions drift. And That's why we dis- create our own. And then it's like nobody yeah. can argue with us what they mean. Cause yeah, we but made even it we have to yeah. agree on it. Because sometimes we're like, you know, I've modified my idea of crunch now yeah. to include this. And, oh, you can't. We agreed. Wrote it down. Yeah. Well, yeah, I feel like... We'll have the Happy Jacks Constitution. Oh, boy. <laughs> oh, no. We'll have a constitutional convention. The Jack All of the delegates will come and... We'll have the... It's about the... <laughs> we'll sit around with canes and... Knock, 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 knock. It's like, instead of a dictionary, it'll be the Jackanary. And it's all of our definitions oh, are written out exactly. Jackanary. Everyone's got to dress in 18th century clothes. No! Yes! <laughs> that's the only part of this I like. <laughs> and have little side tables and canes or knock yeah. them underground when we applaud. <laughs> We're going to have more than a two-party system, though. Yeah. Well, they didn't have a... Initially, they didn't have a... I know. That happened right away. Then Hamilton and Jefferson. Right away. Right away. (laughs) All the things. Oh, my God. Speaking of people being tribal. (laughs) (laughs) All right. You're right? (laughs) That's funny. But But I have not heard that term... Fluffy. Fluffy game. A fluffy game. Or a game that has fluffy mechanics. Because I think... That's that's an oxymoron. Because fluffy game? fluff and mechanics, fluffy mechanics. No, because fluff is not the mechanics. Mechanics are the crunch. Mm, it's fine. I'm with you. <laughs> I kind of am with you on that. Yeah. <laughs> but uh-huh. I'm kind of with you on that. Okay. Where and that why if something gets crunchy, it's because there's yeah. <laughs> and I've never even heard of like a fluffy moment in a game. But I do feel ne- like the sure yeah. When because like there isn't a real like rule no. about what those things no, mean. No, there and, isn't. I mean, there's a dictionary. There mm-hmm. are several dictionaries yeah. about what they literally mean. Right. But with regard to gaming, not really. Yeah. The chat room says that our second amendment, amendment would be the right to fall downstairs, but only if under fifty feet. <laughs> <laughs> you know. Okay. So. so. I've been watching this on our forums recently. The people have been going off the stork stair test, right? And everybody's sort of ridiculing it. And what's so funny to me is that they're going down and giving these great examples, and it's exactly proving my point. Yeah. Because people are discovering a lot about game systems by the stork stair test. Right. So, you know what? It's as tried and silly as it seems. You can bash it all you want. You guys are learning a lot. Yeah. <laughs> oh man, I, you've very good. Things. Well, and the, the whole stork stair test thing is like you get a really good idea of how how damage is adjudicated. And how and how um, minute the, wor- the, <laughs> how the rules can be, is. and how lethal it is in in one simple little test. Right, right. You can figure out how 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 you're going to take damage, how lethal it is, how how, and even if like these things are, like, do they even include stairs in damage? I mean, how would you how would you figure that out? Like Nindy, like there's no well, there's generic nothing, falling, there's no damage. falling. Almost every game's got falling damage, mm-hmm. and which is basically what you're testing. Yeah, and you realize, yeah, okay. 
I know. <laughs> it, it explains a lot. Anyway, it's been right. very funny to me. I think that's it. Cool. Uh, what's the thing? He's singing along. Oh, Thank you very much for joining us for season 25, episode 12 of Happy Jacks RPG Podcast. My name is Stu. My name is Kimmy. I'm Stork. My name is Gina. And we'll see you next week, Friday, 7, 12 p.m. Pacific time. Uh, Happy Jacks at slash live. Until that time, we will leave you with a song. <laughs> and Happy Jacks at slash schedule for all our games that we have upcoming. And that too. Skillful game master, oh, guide us well with yes, ending to avert a disaster. Whether fate or hurts or millions of apocalyptic acts, fellow listeners and every host will always have our
The preceding program has been a presentation of the Angry Folk Media Empire. Bum, 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 bum.